The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, we turn to the issue of spiritual warfare. I don't think anyone would argue that we're in a spiritual war out in the world today. The world, the flesh, and the devil are all against us. They are our enemies, and they are out to destroy us, to slay us from the kingdom of God. Today, we're going to talk about our primary enemy, the devil himself. In any battle, it's important to know the tactics of your opponent. Today we're going to see that the devil is good at what he does. He exploits our weaknesses. He attacks us where we least expect it. Join us today as we begin to look at spiritual warfare in our daily lives. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
we'll turn to the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians. We'll take our text from there this morning, but we're going to go quite a few places probably. As I told you, I've had quite a burden about this message for some time, and I trust that it's the Lord's timing and that it is a message that will be helpful to us in our daily walk. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, we read this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Pretty much all this year, we've been on a series about the kingdom of God. Last time I stood before you, we preached about the kingdom of God being at hand. And it is a kingdom. It is a kingdom with a king. The Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of his Father. He is the king of this kingdom. You know, I have the blessed, sweet uh, privilege of trying to lead this church and trying to be, as some call it, the under-shepherd, the, the pastor, and it's a, it's a pastoral role trying to lead and guide, but I'm not the king of the church. I'm not the head of this church. I get to be the leader as long as the Lord lets me be, but Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It's his church. I know we sometimes say this is our church, and that's fine. I like hearing that. I like for you to have some possessory interest in our church. I call it my church. I'm going to go to my church. I love our church. But when it comes right down to it, and we want to get really technical about it, it's not our church. It's his church. And it is a kingdom. It is his kingdom on earth. It is the visible aspect of the kingdom that in one sense is in every child of God everywhere that's been born again. He tells them in one place, the kingdom of God cometh not by observation. The kingdom of God is within you. You don't say here it is or there it is. What you say is, is that here in this place is the visible aspect of it, but the kingdom of God is all of his children here together, you see. Now, as is the case with most kingdoms, that the kingdoms of the world have allies and they have enemies. We have enemies in our kingdom, the kingdom that is Christ's kingdom. You may recall last time we left it at the book of Acts about the 17th chapter where they hauled some of the disciples before the magistrates and they accused them of turning the world upside down. If we as a church are doing what we ought to be doing, there will be those that oppose us. There will be enemies, and that's what I want to talk about this morning is the spiritual warfare that we're in. Now, let me just say, I don't think I have to convince you that we're in a spiritual battle. I think you can look around us, we can just turn on the TV and look at the media, and we can see, we can see spiritual forces, bad spiritual forces, evil spiritual forces at work in this world today. But we don't have to just turn on the TV. We can look around us 
And I'll tell you, there are things going on today in Zion, Alabama, in Gordo, Alabama, in, in Pickens County, Alabama, in West Alabama. You can just expand it out however far you want to in your workplace, in your school, in your uh, social activities. There is spiritual warfare today. We are in a battle. There was a song, that, an old Southern Gospel song that I used to like called I Came Here to Stay. And it's got this this refrain in it he says it's a battlefield son not a recreation room it's a fight and not a game so run if you want to run if you will but i came here to stay <laughs> i like that song because it reminds us that this is not a game that we're in this isn't something that just is passe that's something that's just uh that we can just hit a lick at it and then go away and everything's fine and we're always safe we are in a battle and there are enemies that would overthrow this kingdom. Now, let me tell you some good news. The good news is, is that Christ has already won the war. <laughs> the war has been won, and we are more than conquerors because the, those who are more than conquerors are those who didn't have to fight the battle, but they reap the rewards of the victory anyway. <laughs> Somebody else fought the battle for us, and we get all the rewards. But the bad news is, is that as long as we're here in this world, we are still in a battle until he calls us home. And we have a trinity. You know, we, we talked about already today, the Lord is a, a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have a trinity of enemies. A trinity of enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil are our enemies. This morning, I don't know that we'll get to all of those, but I want to talk about our primary enemy. Our primary enemy, who is the devil. So, in any warfare, in any battle, it's important to know your enemy. It's important to know who he is so you can recognize him. You know, the devil is not some, it would, it would be nice, would it not, if the devil was always some, some red-looking being in a black suit with a long pointed tail and a pitchfork. <laughs> if he was, we could always recognize him. The problem is, that's never been the devil. <laughs> You know who the devil is? The devil is the smooth-talking, subtle one. You know, that's not how he appeared in the garden to Eve, was it? He was the most subtle. He was the most beautiful. He was the most cunning of all the creatures. You know, we, th we see a snake today and are repulsed by it. But in that day, we would have been greatly attracted to it. And, and it was that that enticed Eve into sin and deceived her. And the very name devil declares his opposition to us. The first time we read about the name Satan, you know, you can make a note of these or turn there, but I'm not going to necessarily go to all these verses, but I'm going to point them to you so you can go back and read them later. The first time we read the name Satan in the scripture is 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 1, and we're told that Satan provoked David to number Israel. He, and I think the way it puts it is Satan stood up against Israel. The word Satan literally means adversary or opponent. He is the adversary of God and all of God's children. The first time the word devil appears in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1 when he takes Jesus out into the wilderness, or the spirit. I shouldn't, let me get that correct. Satan didn't take Jesus anywhere. <laughs> The, uh, the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness and there he found the devil waiting to tempt him. And the word devil, devil is the, he, uh, the Greek word diabolos, 
That's where we get our term diabolical, by the way, which if you look that up diabolical in the dictionary, it means of or relating to or characteristic of the devil. And when you think about someone who's diabolical, what do you think about him? He's against you, he's an enemy, and he's going to deceive you in some way, and he's out to get you. The devil, literally, that diabolos in Greek literally means false accuser or slanderer. And here's the point about the devil. He is deceitful and he is dangerous. He is dangerous. He is, in fact, he is deadly to us here and now. And we're going to come back to this, but you understand, I believe, I hope you do, that as a child of God, he can never slay you eternally. He can never get you eternally. Oh, but he can get you here and now. If you don't believe me on that, then let's talk to Lot when we get to heaven. He slew Lot. In fact, you remember 1 Peter chapter 5? Let's just turn over there. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Listen to this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. (laughs) Whom he may devour. The word devour means to swallow up. It means to destroy. And beloved, I've heard Brother Buddy say this, and I've heard other preachers say this, and I'm going to say it to you today. The devil is not out to annoy you. He is out to destroy you. He can't do it eternally, but he can do it here and now. He can lead you down a path where you'll end up like the prodigal son in the pig pen of life, lusting after the husks of the world because you don't have any other spiritual food to feed you. And by the way, a sheep can't live off pig food. Just remember that. Sheep can't live off pig, pig food. A further description of him is found in John 8 and verse 44. And this is Jesus speaking here. In John's gospel, chapter 8, he told some Pharisees there that uh, ye are of your father the devil. Look at verse 44. Now, I can't do that, and you can't either. Uh, Because you and I don't know. But Jesus knew. (laughs) Jesus knew who were his and who were not. And he called them out because he knew it. You know, it might be that I look like I'm of of the devil or I look like I'm not a child of God, but I might just be having a bad day. Or I might not be born again yet. I might still be one of God's children. That's why you and I, you can't look at my life in any particular uh, slice of my life and say, well, he's clearly not a child of God. We don't know. The thief on the cross didn't look like a child of God until he was born again on the cross. And then he looked and acted like one. But I'm saying to you, even after that, after we're born again, there are times when we don't act like it, okay? So we can't go around saying you're going to heaven and you're going to hell. But Jesus could. He knew. He knew them that are his. He knows them that are his. And he said in verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So here we have a description from the Lord himself about the devil, about our primary enemy. And we're going to come back to that in a few minutes, but notice that his design is death. He is a murderer. He is out to slay you, and his method is deceit. His method is deceit. 
almost never do you get a head-on attack from Satan. It's almost always from the flanks or from the back or from somewhere you're not expecting it. You see, another point that I want to make before we move on is this. You remember what we said in our text in Ephesians 6? Notice what it says in verse 11. Ephesians 6 and verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I want you to remember this when you go out into the world this week. We're not fighting against people. Yes, I understand there are people in your workplace or in your social circle or somewhere out there, maybe a neighbor, maybe somebody you just know, that you would categorize as your enemy. But your enemy is really not your political opponent. He's not your employment competitor. He's not your religious persecutor. He's not your social rival. Your real enemy is not flesh and blood. It is the devil. You know, that helps me in politics. Because I'll tell you, when I, get to, when I get to watching TV and reading about what's going on in Washington and even some things that are going on in Montgomery, I get all wrought up and angry and I want to take it out on the people I see. I want to take it out on the president or on some senator or some representative or someone else that's down there. But I want to tell you, beloved, that's misplaced anger. That's misplaced uh, rancor there because our real enemy is not that person who is carrying out the evil deeds. It's the one who's prompting him to do it. It's the devil himself. So let's talk about him a little more. The devil has great power in this world. You remember back over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3? It ought to be real familiar to us here at this church because it talks about where we were before we were born again and how that we've been quickened and made no longer dead in trespasses and sins. But notice in verse 1, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And now in verses 2 and 3, he's going to tell you what you were like when you were dead in trespasses and in sins. So he says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Okay, we said the world's our enemy. As children of God, it's our enemy. When we're not children, before we were born again, it was our friend. There's a part of us that still wants to be friends with the world. But see, when we're born again... The world is our enemy. But notice this, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's a direct reference to the devil himself. He called Christ in, in two places at least, John chapter 12 and verse 31 and John chapter 14 and verse 30. Christ calls him the prince of this world. You know, you remember back over in chapter 4 of Matthew, we've already referenced that, where where the, uh, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. You remember that last temptation? He took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I'll give all of these kingdoms to you if you'll just fall down and worship me. Now I want to say to you, there's no indication that the devil did not have the authority to give those kingdoms to him. Would it really have been a temptation if he did not have the authority? Jesus would have known. You know, you say, well, maybe he misled Christ. You can't mislead Jesus. If Jesus knew he didn't have the authority, then it wouldn't have been much of a temptation, would it? He's the prince of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. Most all of the things that are going on in the wickedness of this world are, are, are made up by and manipulated by him. 
We're told again back in our text there that we war against spiritual wickedness in high places. Over in Matthew 25, when Jesus is given the, the, the account there of the sheep and the goats, he says that those on the left hand are told that they're going to be cast into the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. <laughs> so what's this, what's this you're talking about, preacher? The devil has angels? He sure does. We call them demons. They're fallen angels. Over in the book of Revelation, I forget exactly where, I believe it's the 14th chapter, but don't hold me to that. He talks again about the lake of fire being prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, one thing we don't need to misunderstand, the, the devil is not all-knowing. He's not omniscient. Before we go any further, let's get that out of the way. Don't, I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to scare you about the devil. <laughs> yes, I am. Because we need to be in fear of him. We, have a need to, we need to be in great, healthy, we need a healthy dose of respect for him. But he is not God. Just remember that. Let's remember that. Let me just stop and go down this rabbit trail right now. He is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere present and nowhere absent. That's a characteristic of God. But he has minions, he has demons, he has angels that are all across this world. And those angels are just like God's angels. They do his bidding. They do the devil's biddings as the angels of God do God's bidding. So sometimes, you know, you think about it. We sometimes say the devil is afflicting me. Well, it may not actually be the devil himself. It may be one of his demons or one of his minions. But, but my point is, is that the devil... We should have a great respect. I don't mean admiration. I mean respect, a healthy dose of respect for him as our enemy because he's much greater than we are, but he is not God. When he afflicted Job, God said you can go so far and no further. Praise God. God is still on the throne. So now in, in the book of James chapter 4, I just want to, we're going to come back, hopefully, to, to some of these thoughts about how we can resist him. But, but I just want to go ahead and tell you about the devil. And, you know, we're told that he is powerful and he has demons or angels that, that um, help him out and do his bidding. But, but notice in James chapter 4 and verse 7, James has already been talking about sin and the lust of the flesh and the problems that they were having, adulterers, adulteresses, and all these things that, that are within us that are, that, are, that are causing strife in our lives. And then in verse 6 he says, but he giveth more grace. And he talks about resisting the proud and giving grace to the humble. But then notice in verse 7 he said, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There is a way to deal with the devil, and that is to resist him. That is to resist him. Notice, though, first, you have to submit yourself to God. <laughs> submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. And here's the point I believe he's trying to make, and that's part of our text over there in Ephesians chapter 6. We can't do this on our own. We can't fight the devil on our own. I, I see some of these TV preachers, and they start calling out the devil, and they start almost challenging and daring him to come in. Don't you ever dare the devil. Because if the devil takes up your dare, he will defeat you. You cannot defeat him. But you can resist him. 
You can submit yourself to God and resist Him. We won't have time today to talk about the armor of God. Maybe we'll come back to it sometime. But He gives us some spiritual armor that we can put on. And notice that word, resist the devil. That's the same word used over in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13, part of our text, where it said we're to withstand in the evil day. Resisting Him means standing against Him. We can stand against Him. We can't defeat Him. But we can stand against him. But praise God, our elder brother Christ has already defeated him. He has great power in this world, though, while we live here. And let me just say to you, beloved, he is good at what he does. He is good. You remember what he's called? And we just read it over in 1 Peter 5, 8. We're told he's like a roaring lion. What's a lion? You know, God gives us these examples so that we might understand he didn't give these things to us to obscure the truth he wants to explain it to us he wants us to understand it better so he describes him as a lion what's a lion do well first of all a lion slips up on its prey in its natural habitat you don't ever see a national geographic channel show about some wildebeest that goes marching into a lion's den you know they see the lion's den and they stay away from it they're in the, they're always in their natural habitat Minding their own business, usually oblivious to what's going on because what the lion is doing is slipping up quietly upon that wildebeest in its natural habitat and it, and it leaps out when the wildebeest least expects it. I want to say to you, beloved, the devil works that way. He will slip up on you. You know, you, don't have, you, know, you know he can slip up on you in church? In, in the book of Job... We're told that the sons of God gathered out there, and he's not talking about some angels. He's talking about a worship service. And the devil was there among them. Satan came among them. The devil can be here with us even today. But, but beyond that, you know, you don't have to go to some dive or some bar or some uh, wicked place of this world to find the devil. He can slip up on you in your own home. And today... It's easier for him to do that than it's ever been. I'm, I'm sitting here using this iPad here. I'm using this iPad. And I'm using it for a godly purpose. I've got a few notes written down on this iPad. All I'd have to do is click a few buttons and I could go all the way into the far country while I stand in this pulpit. You know, the prodigal son at least had to move. He had to get up and move to the far country. You don't even have to move. You could sit in your recliner and go to the far country today. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.